Greetings, Blind Faith Podcast listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Craig C. Edgley, and the title of today's episode is Count It All Joy. Count It All Joy. Our scripture reference is going to come from James, first chapter, second verse. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of all kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, lacking nothing. As we look through this scripture, the very first thing that stands out is that word consider. I'm instantly reminded of that little old story, The Little Engine That Could. It was written by a Hungarian author by the name of Woody Piper back in the 1930s. It was a story about a little engine who used to move cars around on the lot. His job was a simple job, but a meaningful job. And he used to just help train cars get around on the lot. He didn't do a lot of pulling long distances, but he just moved the cars around on the lot as they needed to be moved. And, and one day this big cargo train was carrying a load of toys and goods over the hill to try to get it to the people in the, on the other side of the hill in the little town. And the cargo train stalled out. While stuck on the tracks, the cargo train saw a big old freight train passing by and, and yelled out to the freight train, hey, can you give me a lift to get over the hill? The freight train said, no, I don't carry trains over the hill. All I carry is machinery and zoomed on by. He cried out to the passenger train. It was coming nearby and he said, passenger train, can you give me a lift over the hill? Passenger train said, I don't carry trains over the track. All I carry is people. And he zoomed on by. He saw an old steam engine coming along the tracks. He cried out to the old steam engine. Surely the old steam engine would take pity on this cargo train. And the steam engine said, I'm too old to carry you over the track. I can barely get myself over the track. And he zoomed on by. And then the cargo train looked over and he saw a little steam engine that was in the yard moving around the cars. And he cried out to the little engine and he said, hey, do you think you can help me to get over this hill and try to get all this food and the toys to the people of the town on the other side? And, and what I like about this story is that instantly the little engine began to consider. He began to consider and count. He, he began to think introspectively. He began to look at the things that he'd done in the past. He began to, 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 to think intentionally. He, he looked at the things that he was doing in that moment. And, and then he began to use what he knew about himself introspectively and what he knew about himself intentionally. And then he began to think attentively to the matter at hand. And, and he began to say, I think I can I think I can. I think I can. He considered that it was possible in spite of his little size, in spite of everything that was against him. He, he began to think that it was possible. And he hitched himself to the front of the cargo train and he began to pull and pull and tug and tug. And before you knew it, he was pulling the cargo train to the other side of the mountain to get the people, the goods and the toys. What would we be if, if Christians, if we could be like that little engine that could? 
Well, the, the Apostle James begins this scripture by telling us that we have to consider. Consider can be done in three different ways. When we take consideration of a, of a thing or of, a, of an event or of a situation, we can consider what has happened in the past. This means to think introspectively. We think about all the things that have happened to us in our past. And some of us have had a lot of good things that have happened to us in the past. And we can think back on all those good things. But the Apostle James encourages us not just to think back on the good things that have happened to us in the past, but he also encourages us to think back on all of the bad things that have happened to us in the past. Certainly, you can think back and, and remember how badly you were mistreated, how badly you were treated emotionally, how badly you were treated physically, how badly you might have even been treated spiritually. And you can think back on all of the good and you can think back on all of the bad. But then not only do we think on things of the past, introspective thinking, we also do some intentive, intentional thinking. And that's where we think about the things in our present. And certainly a lot of us could think about some things in our present situations that are going good. You got a place to live, got food on the table, children doing decent, you got a good relationship, money's okay. And you can think intentively about the things that are going good in your life. But in addition to those things that are going good in your life right now, certainly you're dealing with some struggles and you're dealing with some challenges and you're dealing with some stuff that ain't all good. Some of you might be dealing with sickness. Some of you might be dealing with, with, with suffering. Some of you might be dealing with the loss of a loved one. Some of you might be in mourning right now. Some of you are full of sorrow right now. Somebody it might be have pain in their body right now. And so when we think intentively about what's going on in our present, some things are good and certainly some things are bad. And as we think introspectively, we think back about the past. And, and as we think intentively, we think about our present. And as we think attentively, we think about the things that are coming down the road. Certainly, we got some good things lined up in store for us down the road. Somebody might be uh, waiting on a promotion. Somebody might be engaged to be married. Somebody might be expecting a baby. Um, so certainly, there are some good things that can be lined up for us down the road. Somebody might be getting ready to close on a house. Somebody might be getting ready to get a new car. There are some good things that can be lined up down the road, but certainly, there will be some storms and there will be some dark days and there will be some difficult trials and tribulations and hard times and tests in our future. <laughs> but I like what the apostle James says. Not only does he say consider, but he says, consider it all. Consider it all. So all of the it that you have dealt with in your past and all of the it 
that you are dealing with in your present. And all of the it that you will deal with in the future. The apostle James encourages us in James 1 verse 2. He says, consider it all, all of it. Consider all of the it that you've had to suffer over the years. Consider all of the times that you've been physically abused, that you've been physically mistreated, that you've been mentally abused and mentally mistreated, the times that you have been spiritually abused and spiritually mistreated, the times that you have gone through addictions and strongholds and, 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 and you've had to deal with the hardships and the ups and downs of life, all of the good times and all of the bad times. The Apostle James says, consider it all joy. Joy. <laughs> Consider it all joy, preacher. Consider it all joy. Think of all that it you've been dealing with in your life, for lack of a better word. And the apostle James says, Consider all of the it. Consider all of it. Joy. So that brings us to the million dollar question then. What is joy? Well, if we look at joy from a psychological standpoint, it, it deals with the mental aspects of life. It deals, it deals with a mental state of happiness, peace, and tranquility. That's the definition of joy from a psychological standpoint. It deals with the mind state. It, it, it deals with when everything surrounding you allows you to have happiness and peace of mind. That's psychological joy. When things bring happiness, contentment, and harmony around you, then you'll have psychological joy. And then there's an anthropological perspective on joy. Two notifications. The anthropological perspective on joy deals with the people around you that bring you happiness, contentment, and joy. The physical aspects, the physiological aspects of life that bring you happiness, joy, and contentment. You know, as people, we like to have those things, those cars, those material possessions, and we like to have those people in our lives that bring us joy during Christmas time, that brings us joy during the holiday season. Um, and, and that's all cool in the game. So anthropological joy, and then we got physiological joy, physical joy, where, 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 where we physically are in a state of joy because of the things that are around us that have brought us physical happiness and contentment. But then we go into a realm of bibliology. We go into a realm of pneumatology and Christology. We go into a realm of the joy of the Lord, as many refer to it in the days of the Bible. They say the joy of the Lord. 
and, and this is not dealing with the emotional aspects of life, like with psychological joy, and it's not dealing with the physical or the personal aspects of life, as in anthropological or physiological joy, but this is dealing with joy that supersedes any anything that's going on in our minds, and, and joy that supersedes anything that's going on in our personal relationships, and joy that supersedes anything that's going on with us physically. When we talk about biblical joy, when we talk about the joy of the Lord, it goes beyond what's happening to us in our mental. It goes beyond what's happening to us in our personal relationships. It goes beyond what's happening to us in our physical body. And it begins to look to the spirit on the inside of us to continue to pump joy into us, even in times of trial, tribulation, and test. When you have the joy of the Lord, you'll understand that this is an authentic joy. And it's not just authentic because the Christians say it's authentic. The joy of the Lord is a joy that will authenticate itself in your life if you begin to consider all of your circumstances joy. Go ahead and try it in the midst of weeping and sorrow. A lot of times we go through situations in life where we have to weep and we have to cry sometimes, where we're full of sorrow, full of pain, full of despair. And what I've learned in my 34 years of living is that while our weeping and our sorrow might endure for a night as a Christian, no matter how long my weeping and sorrow have endured, no matter what the circumstances, joy always comes in the morning. Joy always comes along and outlasts the weeping and the sorrow. Somebody has wept and, and, and been sorrowful over the loss of a loved one, and someone has wept and, and been sorrowful over the loss of a relationship, and someone has wept and been sorrowful over the condition of their permanent, of their, their, their present situation. But the joy of the Lord will outlast all of your weeping and all of your sorrow. It will outlast all of the pains and pressures of this world. It will outlast death and destruction. The joy of the Lord has beat them all. The joy of the Lord has been tried, it's been tested, and it has outlasted all of the weeping and sorrow. It has outlasted all of the pains and pressures. It has outlasted all of the death and destruction of this world. And all you got to do is count it all joy. Count it all joy. So many times, and if, if we look back in history, our ancestors, our, the people of color, were beaten, were enslaved were imprisoned. They, they, they had nothing, looked like they had no hope at all. And yet they kept on singing, swing low, sweet chariot. They kept on singing, wade in the water. They kept on singing the Negro spirituals that we still sing today. And, and by and by, after a while, joy would take over 
And I'm not talking about the joy of, of slavery and segregation in, and I'm talking about joy in the midst of slavery and segregation that preserved our people and kept them in the midst of all of the trials and tribulations of tests of slavery and segregation. The joy of the Lord, point number two, y'all, the joy of the Lord is a confidence that we have. The joy of the Lord is our confidence. It's our confidence in God that he can do anything instantaneously. And it's our confidence in God that if he does not do it instantly, that it does not mean that he cannot do it, but it could potentially mean that God is delaying the deliverance that we need because he has a purpose and a plan in the midst of it. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that when we have joy in the Lord, it's because we have faith in God. We have faith in who God is, and we have faith in God's ability to move and to work a miracle instantaneously. And we have faith that if God does not work our deliverance out instantaneously, it's because there is a purpose, a divine purpose, and that he's bringing us through a season. He's bringing us through a situation so that on the other side of the season and on the other side of the situation, we will be better than what we were when we went in. And so we have confidence in God that if he does not deliver us from our situation or our season instantaneously, that maybe God is working something out on the inside of us and working something out on the outside of us and delay is not denial. <clears throat> not only do we have confidence in the delayed deliverance of God and the instantaneous deliverance of God, but then we also have confidence in the creative deliverance of God. We have confidence in the creative deliverance of God. What do you mean? Well, I believe that if we get into a situation where we only have two loaves of fish and five loaves of bread, when you have the joy of the Lord, you have confidence that if I'm down the two loaves and five fish, that the Lord can take what I'm down to and create something bigger and better than what I have. We believe that if there's a dried up valley of decayed and dead and very dry bones, that the Lord can move down in the midst of that valley and create a miracle, a mighty vast army to their feet out of a nothing but a, a, a pile of dried up, decayed and dried, very dried bones. We believe that a man can be shot with an arrow, fall down on the bones of the prophet, and instantly the bones of the prophet shoot life up through the man. The man had no chance but shoot life up through the man. And the man can come out of a deadly situation. We believe that, 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 that a preacher 
kindling a fire, can stick his hand down in the sticks, accidentally grab a deadly snake. <clears throat> Surely he should have died. Venom running through his body, but, but God. And so not only do we believe that God is an instantaneous deliverer, and not only do we believe in the delayed deliverance of God, but we believe in the creative deliverance of God. We believe that when it when it's dead, God can speak to Lazarus and say, get up. And instantly the life, the spirit of Lazarus will jump back in the dead body of Lazarus and Lazarus will jump up to his feet and be resurrected from the dead. Because we believe in the instantaneous deliverance of God we believe in the delayed deliverance of God, but we believe when it's all over, when it's all said and done, there's nothing else left that can be due. The doctor has prior, has diagnosed that it's all over. You got a couple of days left when it's everything is that all the odds are against us. We know that God can create something in the midst of nothing. We know that God can 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 deliver in the in, in the midst of any circumstance, in the midst of no matter how dead and dried and decayed our circumstance might seem, God can move in the midst of it and bring forth life out of death. God can bring forth goodness out of tragedy. God can bring forth deliverance out of, out of an undeliverable circumstance because that's who God is. <laughs> and when you have confidence in God, you ought to have joy. So we believe that God is a miraculous God. And we also believe that God is an immutable God. And that it doesn't matter what the doctor has said, and it doesn't matter what the lawyer has said, and it doesn't matter what the judge has said, it doesn't matter what the, your friends have said, it doesn't matter what your enemies have said. We believe that God is immutable and that he does not change based on the whims or emotions of men. He does not change based on the whims of our circumstances, uh, that when God wants to move, there is nothing that can stop him. And so we believe that God is above all people. We believe that God is above all emotions. We believe that God is above all institutions. We believe that God is above the government. Okay, so point number three, and let's jump on back into the text. The joy of the Lord builds endurance and patience in the believer. The scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is building endurance and patience in the believer. What does that mean? That means that when we begin to consider it all joy, that something on the inside of us will begin to change. And when God begins to change us on the inside, when, when God begins to fill us up with the joy of the Lord, via the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, 
we we believe that something on the inside of us is changing that is building up a a, a, a sort of resistance to what is happening on the outside of us. And so when we have the joy of the Lord on the inside of us, we know that the joy of the Lord on the inside of us is building up a resistance, building up a, 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 a defense mechanism to the things that are happening on the outside of us. And so the more we begin to count it all joy in our life, understand that God is going to use joy as a preservative over our life. How many of you have, 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 have noticed that when you leave pig feet out a day, maybe two, instantly the pig feet go bad. When you leave out pork chops for a day or two, when you leave out ham for a day or two, when you, when you leave out uh, um, um, fruit for a, for a day, maybe a couple of days, over time, the food starts to go bad. But when you take steps to preserve the food, when you pickle the pig feet, when you add salt to the meat, when you put it in the freezer, when you, when you undergo transformations designed to preserve the meat, designed to preserve the fruit, designed to preserve the food, instantly something that should have died within days, decayed and, 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 and spoiled within days, all of a sudden it has the properties that it needs, the potential that it needs to go through weeks and months and, 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 and years of tests, trials, and tribulations because something <coughs> was added to it as a preservative to keep it from going bad. I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm talking about, but God's joy, when we have the joy of the Lord, on the inside of us, there's something in us that has been added to us that will give us a preservative that will help us to fight off all of the trials and tribulations and tests that are pressing on the outside. And so <coughs> the apostle says that we need to count it all joy because unless we count it all joy, we've missed out on the prerequisite for building perseverance. And he says that when you begin to count it all joy, there is a preservative that is ignited on the inside of you that will begin to work out on the outside of you. <laughs> and no matter what test and no matter what trials and tribulation the enemy throws against you, because you have the joy of the Lord on the inside of you, it will act as a preservative that will cover you on the outside. And no matter when sticks and stones come against you, no matter when people come against you, no matter when the, the sword or the spear come against you, there is a preservative working on the outside of you because of the joy of the Lord that you have on the inside of you. So he says, count it all joy because joy will build your perseverance. And so as we go through the seasons of tests, as we go through the seasons of trials, the seasons of tribulation, understand, point number four, y'all, <laughs> 
that the joy of the Lord builds up a perseverance on the inside of us and that the perseverance is ultimately going to mature our faith. So the joy begets perseverance, uh, like a tag team match. Joy has tagged perseverance, and now perseverance is going to tag maturation. And it's necessary that we mature in the faith. It would be nice if everything was all roses and perfect and beautiful as we walked this Christian walk. But if everything was always roses and peaches and everything was always perfect, do you understand that you would never mature in your faith to the level that God has called you to mature to? If everything was easy at school, if, if you never had any hard tests, if you never had any hard trials, <clears throat> if you never had to go through any tribulation, you would stay in the shallow end of your faith. And you would never be able to go deeper in your faith because you never allowed God to bring you through some tests and some trials and some tribulations and show you that even in the midst of the tests, he's still God. Even in the midst of the trials, he's still God. Even in the midst of tribulation, he's still God. And so the tests and the trials and the tribulation, when I begin to count it all joy, it begets perseverance. And when perseverance finishes its work, I will be mature in my faith, much more mature in my faith than when I first came in. It's like lifting weights in the weight room. The more you lift, the harder it gets, the more it hurts, but you're building up your strength. You're building up your faith. You're building up your endurance. And time over time, you will see a difference in the level of your faith. If you allow God to bring you through a season of tests, if you stake, if you count it all joy in the midst of the test, count it all joy in the midst of the trials, count it all joy in the midst of the tribulations. And over time, by and by, the Lord will mature your faith. And I'm almost done, y'all. <laughs> but we count it all joy. As I come to my close, we count it all joy because our joy does not come from earthly resources. We count it all joy because our joy does not come from earthly resources. Our joy is divine. Our joy comes from divine resources. We count it all joy because of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And if you have no relationship with Jesus Christ, then you won't be able to count it all joy. But when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can count it all joy. If you have no relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't count it all joy. But when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can count it all joy. Why? Because when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he will walk with you. And he will talk with you. 
and he will stand by you. And he will be your doctor in the sick room. And, and he will be your lawyer in the courtroom. He will be your bridge over troubled water. He will walk with you in the school building. And he will walk with you in your place of employment. He will go into you with the meetings with the loan officer. He will help you to, he'll be the third parent or the second parent as you parent your children. He'll be the bill payer uh, that helps you to meet every bill. He will be the financial consultant that helps you to manage your finances. He will step in when nobody else will step in because we know that when we have Jesus, <laughs> oh, I feel like preaching now. When we have Jesus, there's always an ace in the hole. You, and, 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 and so so whenever I'm playing the spades card game, it, it's a beautiful thing when I have the high joker and all I need is one more book. If you've ever played the game of spades, you know that the high joker is the highest possible card that you could ever have in the deck. And so if all I need is one more point to win and I have the high joker sitting in my hand. It's not a matter of if I'm going to win. <laughs> and it's not a matter of when I'm going to win. But because I got the highest card in the deck in my hand, I'll just wait for it. And my winning is just a matter of time. So when I have Jesus in my corner, it's not a matter of if I'm going to win in life. And it's not a matter of, of, of how I'm going to win in life. But it's just a matter of when God gets ready to make the victory that I already have internally, external to the whole world. You ought to laugh at folk when they sit up there and dog you out and talk about you and say all manner of evil against you because you ought to be able to see behind them. And when you can see behind them, you ought to be able to see Jesus standing there right there by your side in the midst of every trial and test and tribulation. And that's why our ancestors, the slaves and those who went through segregation didn't have to give up. They kept on going. They kept on fighting because they knew that they had Jesus on their side. And there ought to be a joy just in knowing that you have Jesus on your side. But then, I know I'm almost done, y'all. I'm almost done. But then there ought to be a joy on the inside of you because you are full of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so not only ought you ought to be able to be have joy because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you, you ought to have joy because there is a Joy pump on the inside of you that Jesus is pumping joy through the, the Holy Spirit and he's pumping joy, pumping joy, pumping joy. And every time your joy gets depleted, all you got to do is cry out. They say, call on Jesus and he can pump joy because he has an internal pump on the inside of you called the Holy Spirit. And every time your joy gets depleted, you ought to be able to, to sing a little song and say, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. You ought to be able to say, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You ought to be able to say, joy, joy, God's great joy, joy, joy down in my soul, sweet 
beautiful, soul-saving joy. You ought to be able to sing your way happy. You ought to be able to pray your way happy. When joy is on the inside of you via the pump of the Holy Spirit, you ought to be able to pray your way happy. You ought to be able to pray so hard that you forget about what's going on on the outside and you concentrate on what's going on on the inside and you ought to be able to pray your way into joy because joy is already inside of you. But sometimes you just got to pray your way into it. You got to pray down on the inside until you release the joy. It's like a pill. Sometimes you got to take a pill of prayer Take a pill of prayer and, 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 and give it time and keep on praying and keep on praying. And by and by, the joy that is already down on the inside of you will begin to activate. And you ought to be able to have the joy of the Lord. And I'm almost done, y'all. But we ought to be able to get joy every time we read God's word. Because we know that God is his word and his word is he. And they're interchangeable and we ought to be able to have joy every time we read God's word. Every time we read that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We ought to be able to have joy every time we, we read that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down the pathways of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley, through this valley of shadow of death, I don't fear anything because fear is the enemy of joy and joy is the enemy of fear. And if I have joy, I don't fear anything. Why? I preach it because God is with me. And not only is Jesus with me, but God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me, even in the presence of mine enemy. He anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. I've got joy because I have Jesus. I've got joy because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I've got joy because I've got God on my side. And beloved, the apostle says, when you can count it all joy. If you could just find up enough strength, if you could muster up enough strength to count it all joy. Joy when you've been abused. Joy when you've been misused. Joy when you've been mistreated. Joy when you feel defeated. Joy in the midst of the storm. Joy in the midst of the rain. Joy in the midst of the heartache. Joy in the midst of the pain. When you can count it all. Joy, joy. When you're dealing with the troubles of raising your children. Joy in the midst of troubles on your job. Joy in the midst of troubles on your school. When you can count it all. Joy, when you can count it all. Joy, joy will activate perseverance and perseverance will protect you. Perseverance will keep you. Perseverance that will hold you through the midst of the test and the trials and the storm. And, and not only will joy activate perseverance, but then joy will activate perseverance and perseverance will tag 
Maturation and maturation will get you ready for your ministry. Maturation will get you ready for the thing that God has called you to do here in the earth. And not only will joy tag perseverance and not only will perseverance tag maturation, but then when it's all said and done, when we've had our last when we've sang our last song and when we've prayed our last prayer and when we've preached our last word and when we've done everything that God has called us to do, then there is another joy. This joy, this joy, God says, come into my joy. There is an eternal joy that is waiting for the believers in Christ. If we can count it all joy, just keep on counting like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I believe I've got joy. I know I've got joy. I feel I've got joy. You can't take my joy. You can't steal my joy. You can't rob me of my joy. You can't have my joy. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. I'm talking about the joy of knowing Jesus. I'm talking about the joy of being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the joy that comes from God's word. I'm talking about the joy that comes from having a personal relationship with God. I'm talking about the joy of knowing that God is with you in the midst of every trial. He's with you in the midst of every test. He's with you in the midst of every uh, tri tribulation. And when he's, because he's with you, he can give you instant deliverance because he's with you. He might delay the deliverance, but deliverance is still coming. And even if he don't deliver me, the devil still can't steal my joy because he didn't give me my joy and he can't take my joy away. If you don't know Jesus, all you've got to do is open up your mouth and ask Jesus to come into your heart and he will give you a joy that the world didn't give to you and the world can't take away. May God bless you and may he keep you as my prayer.